I'm Jessica, and this is Homecoming, finding yourself in life's little moments. So, dear listener, it's been a little while since I made my last podcast, and a lot's happened at that time, which I'll share with you (laughs) Um, in the subsequent episodes. But for the moment, just to say that after traveling and going on quite a significant journey, I'm back on my favorite bench overlooking the ocean the vast Pacific, a kind of steel gray blue today. It's early afternoon and the water is rippling in the wind. It's been quite windy. I live on a peninsula and the wind is uh, sometimes really quite <laughs> quite ferocious <laughs> as it comes either from the north or from the south. Um, at this time of year it can be really strong so anyway the water before me is rippling in the wind and I'm a bit protected here by the the eucalyptus bushes and trees and this beautiful sea eagle just came soaring up from below the rocks below where I could see it and there it was emerging up above me and it's mottled white brown underbelly hovering above me just for a moment just now so you know these are beautiful beautiful blessings and gifts and that just happened but I am compelled to make this podcast it's a a eulogy a sad moment but it makes me reflect on something very very special which was a relatively new friend um This is a reflection on her life, on what I knew of her in a relatively brief period of time. And I just discovered that she had passed. So I had to do this and to share with you why she's been so special in my life. So I live in a neighborhood where there are lots of kids and lots of families and just a very few older people people in their late 70s or 80s and or 90s maybe even but she was one of those people she was probably in her mid to late 80s and she lived a half a block from me down the street and just to back up and say that I've lived in this neighborhood for some months and I came to this country down under less than a couple of years ago really to start a new life And I arrived with 100 pounds of luggage, no real close friends at that point, uh, but a love for this country, something that I've held for almost four decades. So um, I felt I was coming in some sense home, and that gave me reassurance and allowed me to embark on really what would eventually be and is turning out to be a new existence here. So several months ago in my neighborhood, I began to notice a woman, older woman. And I love, frankly, and and gravitate towards older people 
I often play music in assisted living residences and nursing homes. And I feel that our oldest generation is comprised of people who enrich our lives in untold ways. The tragedy of it all is that they are often not visible to us. They're often sequestered in places where most of us don't go. And people will say to me, oh, what a wonderful thing you're doing, you know, going to play in nursing homes and assisted living residences, Alzheimer's residences, you know, dementia units and so on. And I said, you have, you actually have no idea because when I go, I feel that I'm enriched infinitely by the love that I receive from people whose lives began sometimes almost a century ago, whose upbringing occurred at a time very different, you know, to, to now and even to my own. And the openness and often a sense of, you know, the wisdom and the, and the, and the wonderful qualities, vulnerability that I feel and that I sense and so many of the people for whom I play is something that is just, I hold it very dear. So this woman would often walk in my neighborhood, and she was distinctive. She was distinctive in large part because she was accompanied always by a little Scotty dog. And Scotty dogs are funny. They're funny-looking little waddling creatures, and hers was black. And had a very funny name. And um, I won't say it just because I want to sort of keep, keep everything a bit anonymous, but this woman and I struck up a conversation one day, and it was really wonderful. And she said, oh, yes, you know, my Scotty dog, she's a real, and excuse my language, but this was what happened. She said, she said to me, yeah, she's a real bitch. <laughs> excuse me. But that was kind of part of our first conversation. And I said to her, I said, wow, really, really, she's not, she said, no, she is. She's a, she's a bitch. You know, that is what, in fact, technically female dogs are called. But she was just so funny because she was kind of you know, using that word in its double meaning or in two ways. And um, and I thought to myself, this is a woman who is kind of out of the ordinary. And, uh, and so we got to know each other and a little bit over time. And she'd sometimes sit on her porch, you know, the weather's warm enough. She would sit on her porch and I would pass by and I'd, you know, sort of speak with her. And we just have this lovely, lovely chat and this lovely connection. And then one day she was crossing the street and I was coming out of my apartment. And she said, come with me. She said, I have to tell you something. She said, you need a man. <laughs> now, dear listeners, I have to tell you that that was almost the farthest thing from my mind why? Because of what I've been through, all right? I'd expressed some of this in my earlier podcasts. It was like hell. And I felt that given all of that, I could easily imagine the rest of my life unfolding without being in the company of a man. I had been through it. I was done with it. 
and I was perfectly happy to begin a new life solo. But this lovely woman had other ideas. She said, nope. She said, you need a man. You do. And then she started to think about it. And she said, you know, and I think he has to be from your country. Because, of course, here I'm living in Australia and I'm American. And she said, no, I think he has to be in your country, from your country. He has to be somebody that shares some of the same sorts of background and values and things, you know, that, that you have, that you hold. So, you know, I was resistant. I mean, I was resistant to the idea. I shared with her some of the reasons why I was so resistant to it and she said don't worry she said it, 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 it's, it's okay and in the meantime I had accompanied her to her house she had invited me in and she said let me make you some tea so we sat down and we talked more and um, and then she offered some other advice she said you know woman to woman I think you have to, you know, you can go to the department store, the nice, really nice department store here. You can get some nice cosmetics and you can start to look, pull yourself up, you know. I mean, that kind of advice isn't something that you tend to get as a matter of course from people. But again, it's more likely to come from somebody who is of that generation, somebody who can look at you and care for you and observe things almost like, you know, a mother might. And uh, she said, yeah, she said it would be good for you. Now, I have to tell you as a kind of point of fact, dear listener, that when you have been through a lot, when you've been through a lot of abuse, when you've been through a lot of trauma, one of the last things that you think about is what people are now calling self-care. Okay. Um, I'll always remember calling, talking to the National Domestic Violence Hotline in the States when I was really going through it, and the woman on the other end said, listen, you know, begin to turn your attention towards yourself. Begin to think of yourself as worthy of care, of worthy of your own care for yourself, and that can take different forms. It's just a plane going overhead. And frankly, dear listeners, I, I just wanted to say it's one of these seaplanes. You'll hear it. I love these planes. They have pontoons on them, and it's flying across the sky. Maybe a four-seater plane. And what's so wonderful about them is the notion, you know, the sort of sense, the thought that they could actually land anywhere. I've said this before in my podcast, and they're often flying around up here, so there it went. And another plane, a Qantas plane, flying out to sea. So maybe that's even going back to the States where actually I just was. So anyway, yeah, so she said to me, you know, go go to the department store there. It's a really beautiful department store. Talk to them about cosmetics. Talk to them about, you know, get a haircut. Do these things for yourself. And again, you know, you have to understand that these weren't things that were sort of at the fore, had really not been at the forefront of my consciousness, really, maybe for ever, but maybe for a long time. And, and that's a natural function. That's a sort of unfortunate symptom of, of having been in survival mode for so long, is that the last thing that you think of is to actually turn yourself, to face yourself and to take 
kind of care of yourself you know it's oh your focus is always outward you know how do I survive how do I get through this you know how do I deal with these situations how do I deal with this kind of trauma and abuse and so on and so forth so anyway she said no you go and you'll enjoy that and and just do that for yourself and so that was another thing so um but she came back to the topic of a man and insisted on it and said you know just open your mind so I began to and uh, we chatted a little more and then on the way out she looked at my palm she turned my hand she she took my hand in hers her soft beautiful hands and she turned my palm facing upwards and she looked really carefully and she said a few things she said you know she said I'm actually I actually read read palms. I'm actually really intuitive. I don't tell people a lot about that, but it's true. And she looked at my palm and she studied it for a moment quite carefully and she said, "You know?" She said, "You're in good health." She said, "But you've lost everything. Haven't you?" And I said, "Yes, I had. I was completely disinherited. I had to exit marriage I exited multiple situations because of multiple traumas all at once I'd said this before but my situation at a certain point was so bad I couldn't even easily find a therapist who could understand the extent of it and she said she looked at me so there standing on her porch you know the wrought iron railing and the gate open her looking at my palm and she said, yeah, you, you, you lost everything, didn't you? And I said, yeah, I did. And she said, but you're in good health. That's really good. And with that, I left and said her, you know, said goodbye. So I began to feel something very sort of interesting about this woman, very close to this woman. I began to feel very close to her. And uh, she'd often be sitting when I walked by on her porch and I'd stop and chat. And on another occasion, you know, she invited me in and she said to me, she said, I just, I see you going back to the States. And again, dear listener, you have to understand that this was the farthest thing from my mind than you could possibly imagine. In fact, I was absolutely convinced that I would be here in Australia for a minimum of uninterrupted, an uninterrupted two years until such time as... I would be uh, be able to become a citizen more, two years more, that is to say. So anyway, that's a whole other thing. But I had no, no, no intention to go back to the States, not a bit. And uh, as you can imagine, part of it was the reasons that I just shared with you. But I just, you know, it, it was not on my radar at all. In fact, I was fairly, I was kind of alarmed when she suggested it. I said, you know, I, I, I don't see that happening. You know, I don't see that happening. I she said, no, no, you, you need to go. You need to go. You need to put all the ghosts to rest. And the thing that came to my mind, dear listener, was my mother, because my mom is still alive. And I needed to go to, I realized that what she was talking about was my mom. But I said, no, I don't think I can do it. You know, I can't do it. It's too much for me. It's too emotionally uh, fraught, it's too stressful, the an idea, you know, and she said, I think when you go, if you go, 
you're going to experience there being there in a way that's different and new and you're going to realize that you've become and are becoming a kind of different person so I went I came up to this bench I prayed to God I prayed to my dear dad who was with me I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I said is this the right thing and I got a very 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 strong sense that it was almost like a pressure coming down on me saying yes go 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 so what happened on that trip is something that I'm going to share in the next podcast you know a lot of it but suffice to say that this beautiful woman's advice to me you know against all my own thoughts and inclinations turned out to become reality and I ended up making a trip to the States last month. She said, you need to go. She said, you will discover something new about who you are. And that's going to be really important. And you're going to realize that you're a strong person. You're going to realize you're a strong person. You're going to realize that you're a strong woman, that you've got strengths and you're okay. And you can call upon them. These are all the things she told me. So I went to the States, and I will talk about that in my next podcast, dear listener, but suffice to say that it was life-changing. It was absolutely life-changing. I celebrated a major birthday over there, you know, one of those turning point birthdays, right, where you feel somehow different on the other side, and that was what happened. It was catalyzed by the experiences I had in the States when I went last month. So I got back, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and I walked by her house, and I had a strange feeling, you know, because I'd gotten used to to the rhythms of, of, of her days. I always noticed that at night the shades were drawn, and in the day they were up, and the door was open, the screen door was open and locked, but... I could see inside, even on a cooler day. But I didn't see anything uh, like that. I didn't notice any sort of movement or change in just the outward appearance of her home in the way that I'd been used to. And I started to feel a bit worried. I'd, I'd, I'd written a card to her to thank her because she had really inspired a life-changing experience, you know, when I went to the United States, I, I, I came back different. And I wanted to thank her because it was her idea in the first place. So I wrote her a card and I, I, I gave her a, a souvenir. I'd given gotten a souvenir for her from the place that I went. And I'll tell all about this when I make my next podcast. But And I couldn't, uh, I knocked on the door and I knocked on the you know, I knocked on the screen door and rang the doorbell, but nobody answered. And I thought, oh, that's odd. Because she was always home, you know. She didn't go anywhere as far as I knew. So I put the um, the card and the, and the gift, sort of stuck it in the door. And at a certain point, I noticed that it was, had been taken, had been gone, you know, was gone. And I thought, oh, oh, good. Maybe that means that, um, you know, she'd come home maybe from someplace and was... You know, had taken my gift. 
But still, there was no sort of other sign of her, and I began to feel worried. And then just this morning, just now, just an hour ago, I walked up the street. When I walk out of my house, I turn right and I turn left. To turn right goes to the ocean, to the sea, to the beach, to where I'm standing now. To turn left goes to the other side, to the bay, and goes past her house. I thought I'm going to go past her house. And that was what called me. And as I did, I began to see that her neighbor was out with her dog and uh, a young younger woman. And um, I said, do you know what happened? Do you know if, it's, do you know if she's okay? I, do you know, can you tell me anything about the woman who lives here? And I knew that I knew that my neighbor knew her, of course, so they lived next door to each other, and she said, well, she passed away. And I said, oh, my God. Oh, my God. And we began to talk, and she told me the details. And I asked, I said, how did that happen? When did that happen? And... As it would turn out, it happened just a few days after I left for the United States and was there experiencing everything that I was experiencing, you know, which was just incredible. That was when she passed. And I have to tell you, dear listener, that now as I make this recording, as I think about this woman, as I think about all the things that she told me, that I need a man, a good man, somebody who is from the same culture, the same time, the same place as I am, the same country, that I need to (laughs) up my game or whatever the expression is, you know, and, and kind of pull myself into a new way of looking and being, that I should go back to the States and put all the ghosts to rest and find myself anew. That that woman, her advice, her insight, her wisdom, her intuition changed me. She was, is, was put here and influenced me and came into my life in a way that is was absolutely that heralded and inspired and compelled me to do things that are clearly now and have become clear to me to be life-changing all of the things that she had intimations of and shared with me from that moment when she and her little black Scotty walked across the street and said, come have tea with me. Everything that she has had shared with me opened doors in my consciousness like little portals, doorways into what has become the beginning of a new life at the threshold of this next grand chapter. This next grand chapter... So this is a eulogy and a celebration and a kind of expression of gratitude and awe 
that God could bring this woman into my life, that she could be brought into my life, that she came into my life there, a neighbor. Otherwise, I was going to say unremarkable, but that's not the right word. You know, just that we can so easily miss these things. You know, we think that people who are extraordinary are going to look a certain way or act a certain way or in some sense have a certain kind of aura or magnetic quality or charisma or whatever it is, you know, be attractive and like movie stars and like whatever. But I tell you, dear listener, that the people who may be the most instrumental in shaping and changing and opening our lives may look in some ways the most ordinary. But here this woman came into my life and she had a pivotal catalytic effect. She opened, like I said, the door into change. And I came, I've been coming out now, I've come out of the these last two or three months actually a different person. There's a sense of kind of reclaiming who one already is. In a sense, it's a reclamation, but it's, you know, in a return. But on the other hand, it feels so new in the way a butterfly emerges from being a chrysalis and you can't quite put the two together and you don't even think anymore about being that chrysalis. All you know now is something new and she was a huge part of it. Huge. She opened the shell of my life and created ideas and notions that I followed. And in following them, they led, have been leading, and are now are things that I realize are just, you know, so important and beautiful, incredibly, incredibly beautiful. So, with that, dear listener, I will bid you adieu. I will tell you more about this incredible trip that I went on. Thanks to her. I didn't want to do it. But I listened and asked God and my dear dad. And they said, yes, go. We'll take care of you, go. (laughs) So I did. And she was there. This beautiful friend that I had in the background having planted the seed. So with that, I will say, bless you, and I hope this finds you well. Life is very, 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 very interesting and full of many unexpected, wonderful surprises in many different forms. And that was one of them. Knowing that woman, knowing her, was and is one of them. So take good care until next time. And all best wishes always. Okay, bye for now. Bye. Bye.